Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 378 of the MailRite Podcast. John gets the prize. He's done this 378 times. I've done it about 250 times. But nonetheless, that means that John's done a hell of a lot more than I have. We're super excited to be here today. We're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects and something that John has also talked about quite a few times, I believe, which is... Is the real estate lead generation industry collapsing? Okay. It's a very clickbaity kind of subject line. I apologize. It's not John's fault. I actually created it on, on my channel. But you know what? It's a really good question, I think. So before we get into answering that question, let's make sure that you know who your magnificent hosts for the podcast actually are. John, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our new audience members? Thanks, Robert. I am the joint founder of mail-right.com. We build beautiful websites on WordPress, um, semi or full custom. Plus, we've got a great CRM lead generation platform with some great digital products and services on it. And we'd love you to come and, and sign up for it. Back over to you, Rob. Copy you. So my name is Robert Newman. I'm also the founder of a real estate marketing company by the name of Inbound REM. I do believe that quite a few of you probably already know who I am. And if for some reason you do not, go to my website, Stat, immediately. If you want to learn anything about how like marketing is changing, how marketing is going digital, about personal messaging, personal branding, SEO, which is what I was historically known for. But these days with all the automation, the AI, uh, user behavior, how people are using the web is becoming synonymous with how people find you. So, um, and I talk about that a lot. Today, we're going to talk about it even more. I can't wait to get into this, so we're just going to jump right into it. Is the real estate lead generation industry collapsing? So, John, I want to do a mathematical equation for you, which we've talked about in different ways. So let's just say that in 2022, we had 3 million people doing an average of 30 searches per person for real estate. That would be 90 searches. Would you agree with the idea that somewhere in that search process, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it doesn't really matter. But when somebody's searching, regardless of where they're searching, most marketers are trying to capture them somewhere in that process, right? Would you agree with that? I would. Okay. So you have 90 million searches happening in 2022. In 2023, the year that we're in now, between interest rates and between... Uh, a lowered inventory in most marketplaces, you have watched the overall interest in real estate drop. Nobody's published the number yet. Nobody knows exactly what that number is. But looking at Google Insights and a number of other tools that I do follow, it seems that the number is 30% less people are doing searches this year than the last. Let's just use that math. So if 90 million searches were happening this year and 60 million searches are happening like in 2023, that would mean that you have 30 million less times to try to capture somebody to turn them into a lead if you're doing some kind of marketing, right? Yes. All right. So then let's add in the additional information that how do you think most realtors, like the average realtor, not, not somebody with a $10,000 budget per month. Let's just say you're a little realtor in podunk nowhere and you've got a budget of $100 per month to market yourself. How do you think people are doing that, John? 
Well, I think they've got to utilise, if that's their budget, they've got to utilise very guerrilla marketing and sweat sweat equity if they're going to move the needle at all. I, most of it they're going to have to do themselves and it certainly won't be through paid um, promotion. So it will be posting on social media themselves. Um, video, we've been hammering away for the past two years about video, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, something which you can do, which you, um, you've got a fantastic bit of technology. Mm-hmm. in front of you, uh, um, um, and you've got Instagram, TikTok, you've got um, Facebook, you can put that video on. So that's what you should, that's what you're going to be looking to do, aren't you? Yeah. But most won't be, yeah. most, but most won't be, won't be doing anything. Right. So I agree with everything you said with one small adjustment. So one of my clients, and a shout out to him because he's an avid listener to the show, that's Brett Wallace. Brett, thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate you tuning in all the time. And um, we're going to say this. Brett gave me this information I'm using. I'm just regurgitating it. So thank you for sharing with me, Brett. Brett ran an experiment. You know that we do SEO, so we mostly do organic traffic. We don't do a lot of paid, he and I. But he was curious to know what would happen if he put $10 a day and he just did a video like uh, on a specific area is what he did it on. Uh, $10 a day got him close to 1,000 views. It was surprisingly effective. He, he got well under a dollar a view to the video. So with $100, you could theoretically generate a, number of, a good amount of traffic. But here's the key to this kind of marketing, John, is most realtors are leveraging listings. And they, most realtors are not uh, educated enough to understand that they could do the same thing using other people's listings and act, act the buyer's agent. So they're mostly waiting till they themselves have listings. So when I say the following to everybody listening to the show, understand what I'm saying. I think that paid advertising usage from the real estate industry has dropped by almost 50% between 2022 and 2023. And why, have I, why am I saying that? Well, there's far less listings for people to advertise. They understand how paid is working far less. The numbers seem to indicate that that's where people are at. So already in this early part of the conversation, John, you and I have talked about two different things. And we've, we've, we have certainly in a very educated way said, well, we're probably looking at somewhere between a 30 and 40% decline in the amount of advertising that's happening. So is the real estate lead generation industry collapsing? Well, that's shrinkage for sure. But here's the subjects that we've talked about in other shows that are also problematic for the average real estate agent. So what has happened in 2021 and 2022 in the busiest real estate markets ever in history? What do you think happened, John? Like, so, and I mean, I, that's a very broad question. So let me be more specific. What do you think happened with people using paid advertising services, real estate marketing companies like Mike Mine, like yours? They're, they're spending whatever, a few thousand dollars a month, like Sync, like KV Core, like, Real estate webmasters are spending $3,000 a month. They're spending $7,000 a month on Zillow. 21, 21, 20, 2021 and 2022. And now here we are in 2023. What do you think is happening with those people spending three to $7,000 a month on those services I just mentioned? Well, they're getting less results. I, a actual client actually buys a property and they get a commission check. <clears throat> right. Here's the thing. Less searchers. I mean, less response for those of you doing paid advertising. That's it. That's a fact. 
if all of the people listening to the show recognize that they had a 30 to 50% reduction or more, for me personally, if I was your CMO, your chief marketing officer, that's what I would be, or your chief operating officer, that's what I would be telling you to expect. You should be expecting a 30 to 50% decline in your results. A minimum, minimum in 2023. So for some of you, who are listening to the show, you take 30 to 50% less results plus a three to $7,000 budget. Now you have to ask yourself the following question because this is leading up to the subject of this podcast. Is the real estate lead generation industry collapsing? And I think the it would be better to say, is the real estate lead generation industry collapsing for you, for the person listening? So you take that money, John, and if you had a client like, uh, like, let's say you're doing $10,000 a month in advertising, you're making $40,000 a month commission. It's easy to figure out you're doing a four to one return, right? But if everything we just said happened, you are now spending the same amount of money, but instead of making 40, you're making 20 and you're spending seven or 10. That's a much narrower margin for you to be, would you agree? You're like you're working on a much smaller margin for error, and your that that seven thousand dollars that you're spending seems like a lot more money to you, even though it hasn't changed. Do you see? Do you do you understand? Yeah, uh, I do. uh, do. What I'm proposing? Yes. Okay. So now, finally, I get to the point. I've been getting the reason that we talk about this ad nauseum. The reason I created a video about it is that I get this question all the time, almost every day, John. I'm getting clients asking me, is the real estate lead generation collapsing? Like I'm literally getting that question. I'm getting it all the time, which is why I decided to do a video on it. And the answer is, it seems like the sky is falling to about 80% of the real estate agents that I talk to. Because the real estate marketing industry has changed so fast Hmm. in the last six to 12 months that it's like night and day if you're spending money on paid advertising. Because number one, you are no longer easily pulling down a three or four to one return, no matter what kind of advertising. Many people that I've spoken to who are using Zillow are telling me that they're losing money. Like I'm using very like generous math in all of my examples because my clients are calling me and saying I'm spending $7,000 a month and I'm not even making three or four. And now they're canceling their real estate marketing. Okay, many, 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 many agents are canceling real estate marketing contracts. Zillow and other people that I know inside real estate marketing companies, and I won't mention them by name and I won't mention the companies out of respect for the people who are calling me, but they are freaked out. I have many people that I've worked with over the years because everybody knows that I've consulted with, you know, big marketing, other marketing companies, luxury presence, agent image, YLOPO, and that's just the start of the list. There's many more smaller ones that you've never heard of, smaller shops here in LA, and I still am in touch with many of these people. And these guys are calling me going, what's going on over there? Because we are dying. Like, can, I, in- can I interrupt a little bit? Sure. You know, why the bloody hell is this a surprise to people? Look, I'm not trying to be funny here, but the past two years before, let's say six months ago, because of COVID, because of shortness of supply, 
they, you know, you cannot have a market that increased house prices increased over over infl- over inflated price before COVID. A market that was, you know, in my opinion, over overpriced. It, with COVID, it went on steroids, um, and you saw a forty percent increase on that of the average house. What the bloody hell do you think is going to happen? I I understand where you're coming from, and and you and I have I I have talked to you about this before. But you know what was funny when in 2007, um, there were a lot of smart agents out there who understood that the mortgage industry was like overheated. Like it was so overheated, John, like you so overheated, like a lot of real estate agents were selling mortgages on the side. It was just overheated. It was just so easy to get these mortgages. It, 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 and you made such a good commission on it. It almost didn't make sense not to sell both services. You know, there wasn't all the paperwork. I didn't oh, I'm, not having, I'm, not, I'm not having a go at anybody really. Um, that's in, you know, it's a commission based. I'm not, I'm not having a go. What I'm saying is why are they so surprised? Because when you're in the midst of it, I think that it surprises people the way that it actually ends up rolling, rolling out. Like, like, I don't think anybody's surprised that the real estate market is changing. What is surprising people is like the sales numbers on 2023 and 2022 were not collapsing the way that everybody thought we were. But inventory is still fairly rare. Home prices are still shooting up in busy marketplaces. But what has changed for all of everybody listening to the podcast is that you don't have 20 or 30 properties anymore. When you get a single property, your job, like I just talked to a, a consulting client. And I'm not going to name her by name either, but I will say she's she's literally the top agent in the areas that she serves. Number one, no no competition, and it's in the East Coast, New Jersey. She got a million dollar listing. Her job, John, became fielding and sorting through the 20 offers in 48 hours that they got on over a million dollar property, which is an expensive property for the area that she's in. 20 offers in 48 hours. That just takes you time to sort through all the offers and then so that you can act the proper consultant to your client and say, we have 20 offers. These are like contingencies, cash, exceptions. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to know what all those offers are so that you can then turn around and consult with your client. She's got two days of work to properly read through all of the offers that she got to turn around and then say to the client, Good news is we have 20 offers. The bad news is here's what I feel are the top five and we have to choose. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Unless there's just somebody that came in, no contingencies, no anything, million two, $200,000 above off, above asking, all cash. And then, uh, you know, obviously in that circumstance, you've got one offer that takes the cake and you, that you just run with that, right? And then every other, the 19 other people that bid on that property are done. They don't get it. They don't get the property. It's a weird market that we're in, John. Well, it's a very, that. it's a very because obviously you've you've got somebody that's telling in the field just told you something. The, the only way I can rationalise that, um, and it's not based on data; it's basing my gut feeling. So it might be totally incorrect. Is 
you have the top echelons, you know, so, somebody that can look at a million-dollar house, right, they're, put, they're in the top 5%, right? Um, well, you could say that almost every house in California, in Southern California is around that. So um, you've got to quantify this, but that's around if they can borrow. But somebody, if they can afford a million-dollar house, they're not. They're in the top ten percent. Now, uh, only ten percent of the population earn more than a hundred thousand a year. Only ten percent of American working population earns more than a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a fact. Sixty percent of the population haven't got four hundred dollars in savings. Sure, um, but they're the top echelon. They, you know, they've done very well in the stock stock increases. They've done very well over the past three years in property. They've done very well in stimulus checks to businesses. I know quite a few people that have quite a pool of capital. They're not doing much with it. Um, you cannot put. You be very ill advised to put that capital in commercial property. That would be in my opinion, until the market calmed down, a suicidal. So, and we have got inflation between 6 and 10%. So just keeping it in the bank for years, you know, most people of that type of capital are putting it into short-term treasuries because they're getting 5%. Um, So there is a lot of money out there. But on the other hand, I think... You you are correct. You're dealing with a very fragmented, confusing market because there's a lot of people that got property. They're looking at what somebody got six months ago, eight months ago. They're not they're unwilling to move on the price. And you've got a load of buyers with interest rates just going up. They're just saying, well, we're not buying until you lower the price. Correct. So everybody's looking, most markets, everybody's looking at everybody else. Here's what we're going to do. When we come back, from, we're going to go to a break. And when we do, John, I'm going to make some predictions. Now, I just want to say to you and to the audience at large, I got very lucky. I made some predictions in November of 2022. I recorded them to my YouTube channel and uploaded them. Okay, so they're there. They're there for prosperity. I feel like one of my main predictions has played out exactly like I said it would. I said that we would, everybody was predicting that real estate would collapse in 2023. And I said that I felt like the hot wind from the hot market, regardless of interest rates, regardless of everything, was going to carry us through 2023. And it was right somewhere around 2024 that we had to probably look for a true adjustment inside the real estate space. So far, that prediction has been 100% true with some major things happening in the market that are staggering in implications. So I'm going to make some additional predictions with your help. I'm going to ask you your predictions, and we're going to measure predictions. We're going to use this show as a benchmark for anybody who's interested to find out what's happening with a note towards the lead generation industry. This is going to be a lead generation specific kind of message because that's what the title of the podcast is, and that's what that's our industry, John and I's, and I want to I speak to that directly. So 
stay tuned. Wherever you've watched this, do us a favor. Give it a thumbs up if you'd like. Uh, if you think we've done a good job, tell us we suck if you think we suck. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you when we come back from break. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back to the MailRite podcast. It's episode number 378. We're going to, the subject of this, this podcast is the real estate lead generation industry collapsing. I, during the first, with John's help, we illustrated how we both kind of thought, or I illustrated, here was my point. My point was more like, John's point seems to be, why is anybody even surprised? Why are we even talking about this? Why are we even having the conversation? My point was, I think that I'm getting a lot of calls and a lot of messages, including, by, by the way, guys just like me who are in the industry, and they're, they're scared to death that it is collapsing. And John's kind of point seemed to be, well, why are they even? Surprised? Well, no, I just, want, <laughs> I just want to clarify. I think it is very important that you really look at your marketing budget and really listen to some, because I think, I think investing in video, investing in SEO, investing in content on your website, reducing the budget on on paid paid for lead, basically. Reduce your Zillow, reduce your Google, reduce your Facebook paid advert. You know, reinvest in your website, um, the actual content on the website, video other forms of marketing. I think just re-looking at your marketing strategy in the next six months is really important. So I'm saying no. But what I am saying is I am surprised that people are surprised at the way the market is going. Sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in November of 2022, I made some predictions, which we covered before break. And I'm going to make a few more. I'm going to, and John, you can either poke holes in my predictions, disagree with them, say that I'm just fucking out of my mind. Excuse me. All right. Or you can, you can agree, or you can say, you can do whatever. There's, only, there's only one of us that are bonkers in this podcast, and it's not you. It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can disagree or agree or whatever it's going to be, but I'm going to say this. So, um, I I actually have some small adjustments to my original predictions. Uh, my larger prediction is 100 percent correct, but boy oh boy did I not see the rapid and almost global collapse of regional banks everywhere. I did not see that coming again in 2023. And as a matter of fact, I may have specifically said something, and I think a lot of other uh, podcasters like us have said, oh, we're not due for another you know, bank collapse like we were in 2007. And boy, should we have shut our mouths. Wow, did we get that one wrong. Yeah, we got Woo! a one. I've got to say something. You've got to quantify this. And to, listeners and viewers, don't get the wrong impression. I, I, I'm very scathing on my criticism of the banking industry in general, not 
in the US and in Britain. But we've got to, we've got to quantify this. Look, um, when it comes to Silicon Valley Bank, um, there are some specifics around the type of clientele that we're banking with them and also the risk management, the CEO, the chief financial officer. There are a number of things going on in that particular bank. The other two banks, they were heavily, heavily into cryptocurrency and they were heavily criticised. There's a couple of very well short sellers who position themselves and went online and their predictions of these two particular banks have come true. These two banks, um, I can't I can't say what I really want because I just don't want to get into it, but they were, let's put it this way, they were involved in cryptocurrency up to their eyeballs and seemingly by reports they were extremely bad, badly managed. When it comes to the Swiss bank, that bank... Um, has been in trouble for over 10 years. It, it, it is a basket case. It, it has been mismanaged for over a decade plus. It's been on life support. It had to go to the Saudis and they invested billions and got 10% equity in that particular bank. Um, so, yeah, the banking industry is has some problems. Is the whole thing ready to collapse? Who knows? Because these particular banks were in a lot... They were particularly ropey banks. I don't know what you think about that, Robert. So I want to talk about that um, a second, okay? Because I do agree with you. What what, what What we are watching happen for those listening to the podcast is a combination of, in my opinion, of three things. Now, I do not know these things. Number one, I subscribe to a blog that I absolutely love called Puck, and I spend a few hundred dollars a year. And if anybody's listening to the show, I, I don't, I'm not an affiliate. Um, they're, it's basically the best of the best writers who've gotten together and started their own thing. And they, they're all really experienced industry people, and, and you can buy their content. And it's been an amazing source of information for me. And I'm regurgitating some stuff I heard there. I'm regurgitating some stuff that I heard from Motley Fool, and which I also... So I pay about $1,000 a year, John, in paid subscriptions to financial bloggers. because I, Not because I'm that big of a finance guy, but because I'm fascinated. And it's worth the investment for me. So I will say this. We were due for an adjustment that happened with crypto. Crypto, we're still watching crypto, the, the like shockwaves, the failure of one of the big crypto platforms is rolling out and it's hitting everybody. It's hitting, it's hitting like nine other companies, which are all slowly failing around it. It's also starting to roll out into the traditional banking industry, which indeed had started to get into crypto and their balance sheets weren't solid enough to take losses. Though my understanding of the Silicon Valley Valley Bank is that it had a lot more to do with bonds than anything else as to the real real reason that it failed. And they made some very bad decisions in investing in bonds that were too long-term and they couldn't get their money out without literally losing billions of dollars 
if they tried to execute those bonds early. So they took long-term investments on loaned money from their clients' deposits. And just like William Cohen, who's one of the writers for Puck, I'm going to say the following. Banking is a confidence game. It's literally a confidence scam that we've all bought into. The confidence is this. At any given time, if a bank has $92 billion in assets, something like you know, 60 billion of that is invested and 30 billion sits in seeming deposits in their accounts, but it's not. It's our money and they're going out and gambling with it. Okay. Theoretically, banks are supposed to be gambling at very large terms for in, they're supposed to be doing safe investments, John. That's what they're supposed to be doing. And they're supposed to be getting a slightly higher percentage return on 90 billion. And, and when a bank is run well, like, like with uh, uh, JP Morgan, Chase, they're going to make something like $2 trillion. Like in their in profit, they're going to make a bucket load of money. But because of some laws that Trump created that took away some of the, the safety, like some, some of the um, rules as it related to banking, in order to do what he thought was streamlining the banking process, just like um, Clinton did back in the 80s with Glass-Steagall, he removed some safeguards thinking that free markets are going to regulate themselves. And part of the free market is that when you give people the right, they're going to gamble. And small and regional banks are more at risk when they gamble, just like Silicon Valley. They gambled that nobody would do a run on the bank, and they gambled wrong. $42 billion in deposits were pulled out in less than 24 hours due to the incredibly insular nature of their depositor base. And so that created a run on the bank that then made them execute these long-term loans, take an immediate multi-billion dollar loss. Everybody started to freak out because their bank and all of this is transparent. So they started to casually ask around about getting capital. Their, <laughs> their very smart clientele who are much more financially savvy than most other depositors are as a whole and who all talk to each other as well, sat here and said, oh my God, these guys are looking for terrible rate money. They must be in trouble. And the remaining of their depository base almost immediately pulled back their deposits. I think the key. I think you made a key point there. You know, this is a witch's brew of many reasons why that particular bank. But when the chief and that, when the CEO um, asked for, you know, we need to raise two billion. Don't worry, your your money's safe, but we need to raise two B. And what what the hell do you think's going to happen? Right. And so, when I make predictions, ladies and gentlemen, here's some of those predictions. I do think we're going to see some more regional banks fail. I don't think that we're going to see that impact the real estate business. So even though he, John and I have been talking about some really scary stuff. And, and I know that a lot of you are having PTSD from 2007. I know that I got scared. Like, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking that there's a problem, but when I started to see it over and over again, because there's been a few not as big as Signature or Credit Suisse or Silicon Valley, there's other banks that have failed. It's like a list of seven or eight, but there's just some of them just are not big enough to make national news. They're smaller, more regional things. And so I'm going to say that. I started to go, holy shit, are we looking at yet? Because the problem in 2007 and 2008 weren't that people didn't want to buy homes. I don't know if all of you realize that. I was working in the industry when that happened. It wasn't that people didn't want to buy homes. It was that they couldn't get them financed. You couldn't find a note. There was nobody willing to, 
to sign off on a note, even with with triple A credit, all of a sudden, great credit really clients could not get a note for their home. And how many people were how many people run around with cash to buy whatever they're going to buy, John? Like whatever you're looking to buy next in Reno, do you have the half million in cash? Would you even spend it if you had it? Like I'm not I'm not trying to put you on blast, but like even if you had the half million dollars. Would you sit here and go, I want to put that cash up front into a property and then like roll the, like that's a different thing. Normally you got to be, have millions of dollars and that cash up front is not a big significant part of your personal wealth to make that kind of decision. That's a big decision for most people. So, so the market dried up entirely because you couldn't get a note. You couldn't get financing. That's what happened in 2007. And it didn't really come back. For those listening to the show, it stayed gone all the way through the end of 2009. Financing oh, was incredibly difficult. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the mar- I don't think the market really started until the end of 2012 into middle 2013. But other people would, would argue with me. But, um, yeah, it, it was a, you know, a four to six hard year period. Right. We're not entering that again. That's one of my predictions, John. Right. I, we're not entering that again. The big boys are still going to be there. We're we're really not going to see that much impact on how people loan money. The impact is going to come from these interest rates, which they're going to raise one more time if they raise it at all. I've heard a lot of debate about this, and it doesn't really matter for those of you who are in real estate. I've already started to see in many, many markets with many customers talking to me that people are back in the market trying to buy property at the current interest rates. There was sticker shock, and everybody was waiting to see if interest rates were going down. It is incredibly obvious to everybody that interest rates are not going down. That's not happening. So everybody's gotten off the sidelines and are buying homes at the 8 or 9%, whatever the interest rate's at, John. I, I honestly don't know. But they're all out there buying homes at that price now. They're buying with that money. And while it's just going to surprise a lot of people, I think that while this is slowing the market and may impact the market with a, a decline in 2024, if the Fed holds to its guns and everybody sticks with it while we may see a recession, I am pretty sure that these were all the right decisions for the market. I'm extremely excited about them. And I think that in 2025 or 2026, after a short recession, we're going to watch business finally go back to normal. And by normal, I mean probably interest rates somewhere between the 5 and 7% rate range, which has been our historic average in the US. I'm not declaring a miracle here. I'm saying that interest rates will go back to average of what they've been for decades, okay? And then we're going to see, finally, real estate agents probably hit another 10-year cycle where things will finally be more, uh, there will be less variance, less of the ups and downs, less of the hills and valleys that we've been dealing with over the last number of years. Assuming there's not a national pandemic and assuming you know, half the world doesn't catch on fire, we're, we're going to see a more normal market. Now, those are my predictions, Sean. What do you have? Well, I've got very mixed feelings in some ways. I think there's going to be a sizable correction. I do think the prices have to readjust. I do think if you want to sell a property, you're going to have to be more realistic about the sales price. But on the other hand, I think if you're realistic about the sales price, 
And you're, you know, I think you can sell it. I think you really need the advice of an experienced real estate professional. And you've got to be, you do not, in these circumstances, want a property that's on the market for month after month after month. You'd be best to listen to somebody, a real estate professional that got experience and price it slightly below present market value. And I think you can sell it. I personally think there is going to be a, a, a correction. I, For some reason, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be as bad as 207. I think there, it, but it does really depend on the unemployment situation. So here's, here's a couple of facts as, as evidenced from the California. Uh, this is coming in from Redfin. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, according to Redfin in February of 2023, over the same time period last year, home prices are down in California by 6.5%. I recently read a national report that said home prices were down by 3% nationally. And in California, we need a huge reduction. So on average, the number of homes that were sold is down 33.4% year over year. And there were 16,000 homes sold in February, down from 25,000 homes sold in February of last year. Now, here's what I think is going to happen because I've talked to mortgage officers and real estate agents, and here's what everybody seems to be noting. I think that this, I predicted the same thing that you did. I thought we were in for a very dramatic drop. And I predicted that in 2022. I thought prices were inflated by over about 20% nationally. And I suggested that we would see a 20% decline. Um, we've seen a 6.5% decline. And I think that we're going to see a much more gradual slide than I originally predicted. I think that we're going to see home prices slowly drop market to market, which is the best thing that could possibly happen for people selling homes, for the industry, for real estate lead generation, people like me and like you. The best thing for all of us is that these prices go down slowly, that nobody gets put underwater fast, that if you see these prices slow, sliding and you took on a questionable note, that you have the chance to get out from under it. I think that these things are all going to happen. And because it's gradual, we probably have a chance to avoid a dramatic market shift. That's my mm -hmm. opinion. That's well, my opinion. My position is slightly more pessimistic. I, I think there is going to be a in 2023 through 23 into 24, there is going to be a dependent on the market. It's all, it is a regional market with variation, but in, in the most hottest markets over the last two to three years, I think there's going to be a sizable correction. But I don't think the outcome, I do agree with you though, that the outcome won't be as bad as the 208, the 207 to 2012 outcome. I think there's a lot of people that got really fantastic remortgaged there. I've got a couple of friends that remortgaged. They got they will never in their lifetime see deals that they got. I've got one friend that got an interest rate remortgaging that was just unbelievable. He's got a steady job. You know, he could always lose it, but he's he works for the state of Nevada. He's a senior manager. It's very unlikely 
that he's going to lose his job. There's lots of people that have that. There's other people that, you know, don't, you know, run run their own business like you and me. Um, um, I just feel it, it really is, you know, but you can never discount a black swan event. Um, you can never, you know, I... And it's also is really determined by the unemployment. Um, but the reason why I think you, I'm a little bit more pessimistic than you, but I do also agree with your general attitude. The other thing that's discounted is there's a load of people I know. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. I'm not, I'm not too bad, but I'm not, I know a lot of friends that are sitting on a quarter of a million, half a million. Me and plus in cash. Okay. Um, they've got that type of assets. Um, they've got it in treasuries. They've got in like other short term notes. But I know a few people. I know lots, lots, lots more people that haven't got, couldn't get four hundred dollars. Right. That is the that is the contradiction of our of what we're facing at the present moment. I agree. And that 40% of people, ladies and gentlemen, are going to continue to drive the market. We're going to continue to see new home buyers down. They're down to 25% from 35%. We're going to continue to see that rate stay low. And I think we're going to see the market adjust over the next three to four years until the new buyers with with limited resources and, and great financing deals can get back into the market. That, unfortunately, is not ahead of us right now, in my opinion. We are not looking at that. We are looking at a market where people who are sitting on capital, looking for good investments, trying to hedge inflation. Real estate is a great place to go. So I don't predict that real estate is going to be dead or dying. I do think that the cut types of buyers that we see and who's making moves inside it, it's going to change. I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, John, here in California, buying two, three properties, Airbnb them out. They've, they've already got equity somewhere else. They leverage that to buy more properties. The interest rate doesn't scare them at all because they're, they're, they're using the, the property as a business. And so they get to write it off. They get to finance you know, whoever, if, the, if they get lucky and there's a high rate of tenancy and the, the, the desire for travel is still very high because of the pandemic, people are pivoting. As with every other economy and every other thing, what always surprises me about California and other places in general is the resiliency of the population, how entrepreneurial they'll get, how determined they'll get, how, and that's proven to be true in this market as well. My heart goes out to those people who were waiting on the sidelines, hoping to buy a home for the first time though, because I do not think that that is any easier or that it's great, a great time in general to do that. Like, could I be wrong? Of course it could. Over over the span of 20 years, it's always a good idea to buy a house as a primary residence. Over the span of 20 years, it doesn't matter what you buy out or what the interest rate is. Um, yeah, but- I'm, I'm just a little bit more pessimistic because, you know, when you've got a, people say, what, what's the event? I don't think there needs to be an event. When you have a market over a two-year period that goes up by 40% and you dump $2.2 trillion into a economy and don't figure don't figure that you might trigger off a hyperinflation event. I think you're deluded. And I also think the idea that something can go up by over 
for more than two years in classical economics 101. I'm no expert, but whatever I've read, any market that goes up more than two years by 20% will collapse on its own. Yep, probably true. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we started the show, John asked me, <laughs> "Could you? did I want to talk about this? And I told him, and I may have even said it on the air, I don't know, I don't remember anymore, but I'm going to say, I could talk about this every day for the next 52 weeks. Like literally, if we just did a podcast talking about the state of the real estate industry, it's only the second time in my 14-year career where I've watched the times become as interesting as what we're living through. I really don't know what the specific small blocks are going to be that impact the business tomorrow. But here's what I know from years worth of reading from my own personal experience. It is a scary time when everybody's scared and shelters for those people that have an above average amount of determination. This is the time to make your moves. Warren Buffett says it. Everybody says it. Anybody that you listen to, when everybody is running for shelter, you look for opportunity. Now, there's a very small handful of you out there that are listening to the show. And I don't know what that opportunity is specifically. Maybe you do invest in properties. Maybe you find people that are underwater because of these rising interest rates. Maybe there are, but as this thing moves in a side direction, for some of you who are listening to this show, there's going to be huge opportunity. There's opportunity to re-examine the way that you're doing your, your marketing to get real estate leads. There's an opportunity to re-examine your real estate business as a whole. What brokerage do you work with? How do you operate as a business model? These times that we live through are going to go to the ones who win the efficiency and marketing games. That is my other prediction. Yeah. Okay, so if you're not examining your own personal efficiency and your own personal marketing right now and how you're spending your dollars yeah. and how efficient is your business acquiring business and names and then marketing to them, I think you're making a major mistake. Those yeah. of you listening to the to show who do do that are going to find that you're probably light years ahead of your competition. This is going to be the time in the real estate lead generation industry where we start to watch those 20 and 30 year vets who've never done anything other than, you know, do some of those people are going to go out of business. Like they just are because they didn't really market very efficiently to their client base. And they're going to discover that their client base that they were, they count on for repeat business is not there. That's, that's I, 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 I totally agree with you there. One hundred percent. So, shall we wrap it up now? Yeah, let's do it. How would you like people to reach? Sorry, John. I, I warned you. I would love to talk about this. How How would you like people to reach out and and get in touch with you? Yeah, go, go to the Mail Hyphen Right website. Have a look at what we got to offer. We really build some nice websites and WordPress that you own, and book a demo. Have a chat with me. I'm looking for some really great um, champion real estate professionals that can champion mail, right? Especially if you're looking to move to a digital brokerage situation. Um, we can do some really great special deals for those type of individuals because I'm really looking for those type of people. Back over to you, Robert. All right, ladies and gentlemen, going to say the same thing I said at the start of the show. You want to learn more about me, you want to find a a company that does like inbound marketing, content-based marketing with a website you own, you can go to inboundrem.com. If for some reason, some of you want to ask me personal questions, you can do so at robert at inboundrem.com. Footnote for you, John, a footnote for everybody listening to this show. 
2023 is 100% my last year on the phone. No doubt. I'm, I'm headed to the Philippines to open up a sales office. I've said this in past years, but this year I'm doing it. My ticket spot, mm-hmm. I'm on the plane. I'm going to work there for the rest of the year. This is it. For those of you listening to the show, if you still want to talk to me directly to talk to me about website or SEO services, you got you have a seven month timeline. That's it. And then I'm going to be a CEO and a, and a, a, a proper founder. So thank you for giving me that platform, John. To, I, I, you know, I don't usually self promote very much on here. Um, so this is just a, an exception. The show, and I. It, appreciate everybody that's listening. If John, if you want, I, give us some feedback. Email me, robert at inboundrem.com. Email John. Talk to us. Let us know how you think we're doing. All right? I would appreciate it. I know John would. We'll catch you the next time if you tune in.